Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Well, let's get this thing started. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show, and I am your host, Brian Pointer. So great to visit with you. Be a part of it each and every weekend. It's a glorious time of the year, and I think for many, fall in Indiana is very special. I know a lot of folks in field and forest, a lot of folks getting ready for the gun season here in a few weeks, the archer season well underway. And I've already seen pictures and stories. Looks like this year is going to be a fantastic opportunity with the crisp weather. Brings a lot of, uh, you know, you just get a different vibe. That's what I got. I got a different vibe. And I know a lot of folks do, too, as well. We have a huge show today. And uh, we're going to visit a little later with the Sportsman's Alliance. Find out what's going on around the country. Fellow Hoosier Todd Atkins is going to join us to give us an update on what's going on in Columbus. And uh, understand there's some wins that they want to promote because people got involved that's the message Hoosiers feeding the hungry brand new executive director Susie Jordan you might know Deb Treesh because she was a longtime guest uh, from Hoosiers Feeding the Hungry. We're going to find out how you can donate that venison to local food banks and make a difference in your local community and good friend of Indiana Outdoors, Josh Lance, outdoor writer. He is the communications director for St. Croix Rods, a Midwestern guy. I was like just doing a roundabout and catching up with these guys, find out what they're thinking about, what's going on in the industry. So as you can see, it's a big show, and we're going to kick it off with Josh when we come back. Of course, we're brought to you by Indiana Donor Network, driven to savelives.org. Don't go anywhere. We're going to be back with Josh right after this. So good to be with you. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. I am your host, Brian Pointer. We're brought to you by Indiana Donor Network, driven to savelives.org. That's the number two. And by now, I hope that you know, you can certainly sign up to be that organ and tissue tissue donor. Very important when you buy your hunting and fishing license here in Indiana. As mentioned at the top of the hour, and you know this, I enjoy talking to fellow outdoor writers and those in the industry from time to time just to kind of find out what's happening around the world of the outdoors and none better than good friend and longtime uh, outdoor writer here in Indiana, Josh Lance. Josh, it's great to visit with you. How you been? Doing really well, Brian. Always great to talk to you, too. You know, it's an exciting time of year for everybody. It's been cold. <laughs> we were spoiled with that warmer weather, and it kind of put uh, kind of put the kibosh on our uh, on our salmon run up here in the, the northern part of the state. We'll see what it does to our steelhead here in a couple weeks. But, yeah, deer are, uh, deer are starting to, you know, they're – I wouldn't say they're chasing yet. You know, they're still seeking, but, uh, man, they're going to be chasing full-blown here within uh, the next week or so. So, exciting time. 
I love it. And like you, uh, I want to go back before I go start into something else. So the, the cold, the weather kind of snapped the salmon, and now we're waiting to see what happens with the steelhead. Is that what I heard correct? Yeah. So, uh, man, it just got hot, Brian. Yeah. And, you know, on the St. Joe River, you know, when that, when that river gets up, you know, up in the 70s, you know, this time of year, it's a problem for those fish. So, and it did. It just uh, felt like it just felt like somebody turned on the stove there for a few weeks or a week or so. And it just got obscenely hot, at least by my standards. And I'm always interested to find out from folks like you who spend a lot of time guiding and and out on the water, especially in our northern part where you talk about these salmon and steelhead. It sounds like like that really kind of put a kibosh to it yeah so i'm not i'm not guiding anymore i mean I, i'm still involved in the fishery i'm still out there um I well you're a dang good consumer of fishing i'll tell you that i am <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my friends who are guiding uh you know um you know they're they're convinced uh you know a lot of the fish die you know it just got it got that hot so it was kind of that level event and you know i'm not sure how many summer steelhead were in the river already um you know man they load up on the creek mouths in that cool water and they're just kind of sitting ducks in there so i'm, I'm hoping that they did okay you know because normally like that's the appeal to me like i i don't care to fish the, the salmon but man once the salmon run is over you know late october november december um man i love getting out there chasing those steelheads so hopefully we didn't have a bunch of steelhead that died but we'll we'll see josh lance our guest this morning and uh you know you you and i have known each other for a long time and spend a lot of your time and i'm being very uh i'm not being as uh how do i say this profound as i should be i mean you've got a real good pulse on what's going on especially in the fishing world and that's why we love to have you on but spend a lot of your time with uh st croix rods and other things so tell us what why don't we instead of me trying to fumble through this why don't you just tell people what you're doing <laughs> Sure. Yeah, Brian. Yeah, so I'm I'm uh, I'm communications manager, corporate communications manager for for St. Croix up in Park Falls, Wisconsin. I, I, I still live uh, here just over the Indiana line in New Buffalo, Michigan. Um, but uh, it's the first real job I've had in, in 20 years. They were a client of mine for almost eight years. And I went to work for them in November. Suddenly, I've got a health savings account and a 401k and all these things that uh, that I, I haven't had in, in literally decades. But uh, it's a great company to work for. I'm sure, you know, you're you're listeners know all about St. Croix, but it's been a really exciting year. We launched a real company uh, called Seven, you know, which is based, the name is based on, you know, St. Croix's seven decades of, of building rods and putting anglers at the center of everything they do. So we've got this Seven Reels company that we're working with now. Uh, we're relaunching our fly brand. You know, St. Croix has made fly fishing rods for over 60 years, but we kind of let it slip away from us. We haven't innovated a lot. Man, we built a team and we're building some fly rods now that are going to be available uh, in November um, that are just dynamite. Uh, they, I, I wasn't out there, but they just had the uh, after confluence, which is kind of the fly fishing trade show out in Salt Lake. And man, everybody's buzzing about these fly rods. And one of the cool things is, is we're actually working with an Indianapolis company uh, called Mito Material Solutions. Uh, they're there on the north side of Indianapolis, and they make a product called Graphene, uh, which we're actually putting into our fly rods. It's been a really cool partnership. So yeah, a lot Let's of exciting things going on. You mentioned that. I want to dig into that a little bit because I like the Indiana tie to all of this. St. Croix, premier brand, of course, in fly fishing. And anybody who's whipped a line around on the water knows of St. Croix. And 
guns. You hear about new new gun models coming out, so it's kind of nice to hear that you guys are still innovating and bringing new product to the market. And how'd that all come together with the Indianapolis company? Yeah, so we have a guy named Jason Bronner who is he's currently VP of Research and Development, but he's been our lead engineer at St. Croix for for decades. Um, just a really well respected. Like you talk to anybody, you know, any fishing rod company that's you know making fishing rods, certainly in North America, even in Asia, they know who Jason Bronner is. Uh, he's a resource. He's considered you know the expert in the field. He met. Um, he met a gal named Haley, who is uh, Mido's CEO at this conference called Camex. So Jason's always looking at new materials. You know, you know what? Well, what are the new materials? You know that we can potentially use to, to build rods that help give our anglers the upper hand. So it's this general materials like composites uh, conference. So that's where he met Haley uh, a couple of years ago, and they've been talking since. And uh, yeah, so we have this exclusive agreement with with Mido now there in Indianapolis. So graphene is a fascinating material. It is a single thick layer of carbon, basically, essentially, is what it is. It's the hardest uh, substance known to man. It's harder than diamond. It's more flexible than rubber. It's just, it's a modern, I mean, wow. it's used in race cars and all kinds of stuff. So anyway, long story short, Mido um, makes what they call a functionalized graphene, which means that we can use it in our own factory. We can apply it ourselves to extremely uh, tight tolerances, basically to produce a rod that is lighter, stronger, flexes in all the places that we want it to flex. So that's the nutshell version. But uh, yeah, just a really cool uh cool example of two midwestern two midwestern companies you know coming together to work uh, on behalf of anglers so i love that uh we're visiting with josh lance uh, officially formally as you said my first real job with st croix but you've been a long time uh outdoor writer and, and friend of indiana outdoors in particular and i love to hear those types of stories you were recently at the association of great lakes outdoor writers i'm just curious what was the vibe what are out outdoor writers talking about what are the people that were at the conference there talking about other than fellowship and camaraderie which is always part of those events but there's not a lot of outdoor writers that might be listening today but i'm just kind of curious what was on the agendas what people were talking about yeah so uh man there were some great sessions there um you know basically it is you know how do we stay on top of you know this communications industry and in, in fishing hunting and, and outdoor you know sports so we're reaching, uh, you know, our listeners, readers, viewers, and followers in all kinds of, of new ways, um, you know. So, you know, making sure we help one another find those media outlets. You know, one of the things that we talked about, Brian, is AI. You know, I heard. Um, really? I heard. Uh, yeah, I listened to uh, a particular station on uh, satellite radio. And, you know, I've, I've heard people say that 2023 is going to go down in history as the year that, you know, the last year that musicians, you know, actually wrote their own music. <laughs> Are you kidding? Scary. Um, so the same thing's happening, you know, and man, you, you go to any fishing website that's out there, you don't know, you know, what AI wrote and what uh, I do because I know about it now, but AI is writing a lot of content on the internet right now. And, you know, the discussion amongst us communicators was how do we use it as a tool? How do we use it the right way? Because it's here to stay. 
And, and basically just, you know, not to sound too many alarm bells for you or, or your listeners, like AI is not going to take over the fishing content that you read, you know, and magazines and, and see on these websites. Basically what it's going to do, it's going to be used for optima- optimization. So for a writer, how do I write a better headline, you know, that's going to capture you know, more clicks and get people to read my article. It's also going to help me maybe organize the story or think about some topics that I should put into the story that I haven't put in before, but things like that. So, yeah, it was a great conference. And, and uh, yeah, AI was one of the things that we talked about. You know, it's interesting because that's a buzzword on every news outlet these days and everybody is hypersensitive to it and where is it going to go and a lot of questions. I guess I hadn't really thought about how that affects outdoor writers or outdoor production of of content but that's that's fascinating stuff because if that was available for me when i was going through high school and grade school i i would have been an einstein <laughs> yeah right <laughs> think about it like this you know in 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 my world and you know communications with st croix and fishing rods you know i can ask ai what are the top 10 questions that people ask google about fishing rods Okay, and then boom, you know, it'll spit out those top 10 questions. Well, that is really powerful and helpful to me because it tells me what I should be addressing in my content, you know, to my readers. So, so how do you see this is I'm not on the bleeding edge of anything, Josh, you know that by now. (laughs) So wait a minute, when you say you ask AI, how do you do that? I just go to the wiki or the Google. How do you ask AI? Oh, Brian. Okay, so yeah, so it is an app on your phone. Uh, uh, there are several that are out there. I'll let you Google it. Okay. Find it. But it's just an app on your phone. Uh, and the better ones you do have to pay a small, a small fee for, but that's how most people are using it right now. And, and just everyday people are using it too. So you can thank me later for, you know, yeah. putting you in this, in this millennium. I need a lot like of help in a lot of areas, <laughs> Josh. And this is one. So you're telling me there's an app on the phone that I can just an AI app and ask any question. It's going to give me information. And there's people yeah. right now rolling their eyes going, who is this Nimrod hosting this show? Exactly. I love yeah, it. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, well, maybe I should come to one of the Great Lakes uh, Association of Great Lakes Outdoor Writers uh, conferences, which I am a member of. Uh, it never seems to fall in line with uh, other work type stuff, but that is actually very interesting. Now I'm going to have to. Now I got something else to put on the to do list. Yep. Do it, and I do recommend you come to the uh, the conference. I, it's been on my list and you know all of our fellow outdoor writer friends many of whom are guests here uh, on this program uh, have encouraged the same and, and, and one of these days it's going to happen so Josh we got uh, crisp air we've got the archery season started you already talked about fishing you have any trips planned what are you going to be doing give us some suggestions on where people should go to take advantage of some, some uh, steelhead other things maybe up near you yeah. So, okay. Uh, if we're talking fishing and, and, and steelhead specifically going into the fall, um, you know, I would actually recommend that, that people uh, go a little bit further north of, of where I'm at. And that's not that long of a drive. You know, from Indianapolis, you know, you can get up to, like, I think the, the I would consider like with the premier steelhead fishery starts, you know, like at the Muskegon River. Um, you know, above that, you've got, uh, you know, the Pier Marquette and the Manistee and just all up the west coast of Michigan. You, you cannot go wrong. Um, you can camp, you know, there are national forests, uh, the Manistee, uh, you know, national forest is there. So, you, you know, you can 
you can camp, you can take your canoe, you can drift these rivers. Um, it's just it's just a great place to be in the fall. I love it. And like I said, that uh, that steelhead fishing, you know, really takes off. You know, the whole month of November and, and all of December, as long as you've got uh, got good weather. So yeah, pack up the truck, throw the canoe on top, come on up. God love you. You know, that's that's one of the things that we love to do is people forget that fishing, especially in the fall and winter in those areas, northern tributaries, southern Michigan, you already talked about where to go in some of these great places. We have friends of ours, mutual friend like Jay Anglin, who is still in the guide business. He's on regularly with me, and we talk about this a lot, but it's always good to hear from you. And always an open phone here for you, my friend, uh, especially with St. Croix or other things that you do. Great product. Uh, if people want to kind of follow and learn more about this new product you talked about where can they get on your website and find out more about st croix rods yeah so uh it's st croix and then we have a separate fly uh website which is st croix which is where you'll find out information about uh, about mito material solutions and their functionalized graphene well, I, I'm going to make you jealous. We're going to have to talk about this another time. I didn't do any fishing, but I spent a week out in Idaho and Utah driving through some of the backcountry and just experiencing all the glory out there. And I can tell you, full-fledged, full-on, uh, I saw hundreds of fly fishermen in every creek, stream, and river that was in the backcountry in Idaho, about 1,500 miles worth, and it was a glorious trip. I don't know if you spent any time out there, but I highly recommend it. It is wild country. It is. I haven't been out there for a while, but uh, I have, and it is wild country. Uh, did you see any cougars? Didn't see any cougars. Saw some elk. Uh, you know, I said I was in the back country. I was in my car, okay? <laughs> so I was 1,500 miles in my car. If I saw a cougar, I'm going in reverse. But no, I did yeah, not see right. any. I was kind of looking for bears. There's a lot of bears out there. And I uh, spent some time with a great buddy of mine uh, who was an Idaho game warden. And we went and he took me into some areas. It was just fascinating. So we'll talk about that offline another day, my friend. But thanks so much, as always, for being with us, Josh Lance, St. Croix Rods. Great to be with you on Indian Outdoors, my friend. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate you and what you do. My pleasure. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. I am your host. We're brought to you by Indiana Donor Network, driven to savelives.org. Don't go anywhere. We're just getting this thing kicked off. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. I am your host, Brian Pointer. I hope you know that by now. So great to be with you, especially this time of the year. So many activities, field forest full of campers and hikers and hunters, and it's all so good. Great to visit with Josh Lance. St. Croix Rods, plus an outdoor writer of some reward and friend of Indiana Outdoors. Great to catch up with him. We're brought to you by Indiana Donor Network, driven to savelives.org. You can buy your hunting and fishing license and do that at the same time and do something good. Help to save up to seven lives, heal up to 70 others. Good work. Anyway, uh, as mentioned, a lot of folks in field and forest, a lot of deer going to be put into freezers. And as we have done year after year, Hoosiers Feeding the Hungry, one of my favorite organizations. And for those that might have known Deb Treesh, who was a longtime guest, we have a new voice. Susie Jordan is the new face leader and grand poobah up at the uh, Hoosiers Feeding (laughs) the Hungry. (laughs) You like that? Has anybody called you the grand poobah yet? I I have not been called the grand poobah yet. So, yeah. 
Well, yes. Deb Treesh, big shoes, and what a great leader ahead of her time and did so much great work, retired from this and really kind of shepherded it to where it is now and turning it over to you. Before we talk about uh, Hoosiers Feeding the Hungry, where'd you come from? How did you know Deb and the organization? Well, I was previously executive director for 16 years at a nonprofit in Fort Wayne that served Northeast Indiana, seven-county area called Mustard Seed Furniture Bank of Fort Wayne. So I have been in the nonprofit world and and started, um, goes back to probably when I was four years old, which is only a few days ago. Um, volunteering. You and me both. So when I think volunteering is great for families, great for individuals to go out and give back to their community. Um, and that has led me to this passion for nonprofit work. So I was at Mustard Seed for 16 years and heard Deb was retiring and was kind of asked to consider the position. And Deb and I have known each other really since she started this organization. So it's kind of a relationship that I knew of and we've been back and forth um, in the nonprofit world up in Northeast Indiana. And now I am sitting among her staff that she has picked that is working great with the transition into um, this next season for Hoosiers Feeding the Hungry. And I'm really excited to see where we can take it and how um, your listeners can also be a part of supporting us. And, you know, we've been talking as long as this has been going. It's one of my favorite organizations because it's so worthy. Now I turn it to you for the commercial because there may be people out there and some new stations and affiliates and listeners that don't know what Hoosiers Feeding the Hungry is. It's it's very simple. We're kind of we we connect people who have either livestock or hunters who have venison that they may not um, they may have an extra they may not have freezer space they may not want to have the meat a place to work to coordinate what they have with processors in their area. And then we connect that back up. If they don't have a food pantry or food bank in their area that they would like to, we're more than happy to also expand those partnerships as well. So it's it's, very amazing. I, I like the way you qualified that. It is so simple. And it as, is. It's very simple. As I've been the evangelist to many people, not here just at this microphone on Indian Outdoors, but in those that I know that hunt and fish or hunt in particular, it's such a worthy process because like for example, my son killed a deer. If I wanted to kill a deer, I don't have need. That's too much, right? So you can donate all or a portion uh, to these processors that are in the network. And the most glorious part of this is you dropped off a field-dressed animal uh, for the processing, and it goes to the local community, and it's no charge to you, and everybody wins. Is that a fair assessment? It's no charge to to the hunter, exactly. Right. Um, That's where Hoosiers Feeding the Hungry picks up that processing. The biggest thing that that we found and that has been an ongoing um, kind of hurdle in this process is we want to know who those hunters are that are donating those field-dressed animals for us. Because I think that's where, you know, we can't say thank you. And it's not that we're going to send you, you know, we, we want you to see the impact that you have in changing someone's dining room table or kitchen table or wherever they eat their meals because 
the, the food banks and the food pantries in Indiana, really all over the United States, are in need of this meat. And that's where it's, you know, right now we're talking deer, but also if you have someone or know of someone who's a farmer or active in 4-H or agriculture in general and would like to learn more, we have, we are more than happy to share that as well. So That's a fantastic think, expansion, and I know it's been part of the opportunity, of course, Indiana Outdoors being now in deer season. I know many people who, in, in today's world, you know, with the licenses available to hunters, that... There's a reason for that. If areas have a quota now of three extra doe and they want to hunt and they have permission and they want to extend their season, but they don't need it in their freezer, guess what? One of those deer that you might donate can donate up to 200 meals of real solid, good protein to these food banks and no shock. That's the most in need commodity in a lot of these resources around the state of Indiana and I'm sure around the country. Right, exactly. So, you know, a shout out um, to Deb and also to our First Lady, Janet Holcomb. Janet was at our our auction that we hosted um, back in September. And, you know, she's an avid hunter as well. So that's the, that's, um, we're, we're blessed to have her support behind our agency as well. And Deb was awarded a Sagamore of the Wabash for her work in what she started in her house. I love it. And now we're on to a new legacy and an expanded opportunity. And Susie Jordan, it's great to have you be a part of Indiana Outdoors. Before I leave, and I know there's going to be all kinds of things that we can talk about going forward. This is an introduction and reminding people that Hoosiers Feeding the Hungry is strong and going strong. Where can people find out where a processor is in the area that they may be going to hunt so they can put that in their phone and be prepared to go? What are the resources you direct people to? We would like to direct you to our website at www.hoosiersfeedingthehungry.org. And that will allow you to locate a meat processor in your area. If you are a meat processor and would like to learn more about our agency, you can also give us a call at 260-233-1444, and one of the staff will be more than happy to answer your questions and guide you through the process. And also, if you would like to support our mission, you're also welcome to do that through our website. Um, if you would like to mail a check, that's also available there. So we are supported through, through the community as well. Susie, so great to visit with you, and congratulations. We look forward to a great run going forward, and thanks for the message today to the hunters out there who are enjoying the fruits of Indiana's beautiful countryside with some venison in the freezer and hopefully helping the hungry in your community. We look forward to more conversation. Thank you so much, and everyone stay safe this hunting season. Oh, what a great message to end on. Thank you much, Susie. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. I am your host, Brian Pointer. Please don't go anywhere. What a great message. Congratulations to her. We look forward to talking many more times. We're going to be back right after this. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show, and I am your host, Brian Pointer. What a great show. It's always great to visit with uh, this time of the year. So many things happening, and many, many thanks 
to uh, the Hoosiers feeding the hungry and the new executive director there, uh, Susie Jordan. It's going to be great to have her expand this opportunity for Hoosier hunters all over the state of Indiana to donate the all-important venison and proteins that these food banks need. And we're going to visit with the or one of my other favorite organizations, the Sportsman's Alliance. And joining me now is Todd Atkins who is the Vice President of Government Affairs. Todd, Sportsman's Alliance, one of my favorite organizations, and we love to have you a part of Indiana Outdoors, and you guys are always good teammates, and whoever we get uh, has great message, but I'm glad that we're able to connect now to do Indiana Outdoors. And for those that may not be familiar, first and foremost, thanks for being here with us. And second, what? tell me how you ended up, what do you do, what does the Sportsman's Alliance do? Sure, the Sportsman's Alliance. We're based in Ohio. We were founded in the 1970s um, in response to a ballot initiative actually coming after trappers in the state of Ohio. And we've grown since then. We're now a national organization. We've been engaged in a very simple mission for for low these many decades, and that is we will protect and promote America's hunters, anglers, and trappers. So as you know, and as your listeners know, when it comes to animal rights, animal welfare issues, there's a lot of groups trying to kind of remove hunters, anglers, and trappers from the landscape. And so that means we show up where we need to show up. And that might be a legislative fight somewhere, a ballot initiative fight. We may have to file a lawsuit here or there, either at the federal level level or the state level so it's real simple for us we fight for people like you and i that is if if you grab a gun to go into the field every fall or you you grab a rod and reel uh to chase after some fish we're going to be there to help support you and fight for you because as we know hunters anglers and trappers remain america's greatest conservation success story and we are the financial backbone of everything that everybody enjoys in the outdoors so we are happy to get up every day and fight for these people well you call it a simple agenda but i know from our conversations very complex matters all over this country i don't know how you guys do it let's switch gears turn the page and go to some of those things because people don't realize that what happens east west coast mountain issues uh whatever it might be hunting trapping dogs they end up back in the midwest and we're never i shouldn't say never we're hardly uh there's a lot of initiatives here in the midwest that you're watching as well but these issues like well why do we care about bears or wolves or other things they have unintended consequence that bleeds into other places and you guys are so good at this but what's on your plate what's keeping you awake at night is the government affairs vp Yeah, so believe it or not, I mean, we all get pretty jaded in today's modern environment. We actually have some good news that occurred uh, over the past week or so, and that is President Biden actually signed a bill called the Protecting Hunting Heritage and Education Act. Now, it's interesting, that's actually a cleanup effort by the administration because their Department of Education had actually issued guidance that would have removed millions of dollars from schools nationwide that engage in hunter education, archery programs, shooting sports programs, etc. And they said that would have been in violation of an existing gun control law. So at the end of the day, uh, Sportsman's Alliance and many hunter organizations across the country, of course, we raised holy heck about that. We actually filed suit against the administration 
to kind of compel the Congress to act. And thankfully, even though the Congress can't seem to get a lot done these days, they were willing to pass a bill to tell the administration, you are not going to remove this funding from these vital, important programs in public schools. So we end up with a win at the end of the day. Um, it happened in, for Washington uh, in relatively short, you know, very quickly. Uh, so we are very excited that our efforts, alerting our members and supporters across the country, filing that lawsuit, telling them we mean business on this, you're not going to take this funding away, that the administration finally responded. So we're happy about that. That, But it, it kind of sends the message that you're talking about is there are issues all across this country. And the most important thing that folks who do the things we love to do, hunt, fish, and trap, you got to stay engaged. You got to be aware. You got to be ready to take that alert from an organization like Sportsman's Alliance and act on it and reach out when folks say you need to reach out. Because in this case, of course, our elected officials responded, but they needed that hue and cry, if you will organizations like Sportsman's Alliance reminding them, do your job, represent your constituents, and fix this egregious error by the administration. So they did so. And you know, that's why I love the Sportsman's uh, the, uh, the, the Alliance just does such great work and I get dumbfounded with all of the different projects. What, and that is a great way to let people know that the advocacy work that you do and as you said the cry of the sportsman so important but as we look ahead real quick what are some of the initiatives as you turn the page already looking into next year that are on the horizon yeah one thing that folks in indiana and by the way i grew up in southern michigan but have spent the bulk of my life in in indiana in one way or another uh, not only did I live in South Bend, but Plymouth and Culver and other areas. So I'm, I, I always, this time of year, I always think of like Kankakee wildlife area and all the duck hunting I did there. Oh, wow. And it is hard. Yeah, it is hard when you're in Indiana to, to not remember and stay vigilant because Indiana is one, one of the greatest places in this country when it comes to hunting, fishing and angling. And it doesn't feel like we're under threat. But one thing I would like to talk about, and this is happening very quietly in this country, is we see those who want to remove hunters, anglers, and trappers from the landscape are getting really crafty and smart about how they do this. They're not being clumsy anymore. So they're coming under, under the cloak of animal welfare issues. They used to come at us from this animal rights perspective. And even though they still believe that animals have the same rights that humans do, they come at it from a much different angle. So in Indiana, for example, you have localities who that are now getting into the business of regulating issues pertaining to sporting dogs and whether or not, you know, I might have three or four, I might have a dozen, who knows at the end of the day, but they understand that they can kind of tease the heartstrings of your average American or your average Hoosier and say, well, of course we all care about animal welfare because yes, we do, right? But what they do is they help right. these localities to push through reg regulatory schemes. And before you know it, at the end of the day, you're like, wait, you're telling me I can't actually go out and train my dogs anymore because you're no longer allowing me to just walk with my dog off leash. Well, if you're training dogs, if you're hunting dogs, we all know a leash doesn't work real well. Right. right? But that's their object is, is to continue to make our life 
harder, more expensive, more regulated. And they know at the end of the day, if they just keep the pain on, keep the pressure on, that they can just convince folks, you know what, I think I'll go kayaking today. That I know. And you know, make, this is, go ahead. The, no, this story that you're telling me is so worthy for everybody to hear because diligence, focus, I, I encourage people to be a member of something that advocates on behalf, whether yeah. it, join an organ, a conservation group, join the alliance, it's a, it's just go to the website and, and by all means join and Todd, unfortunately, we got to pay a few bills here and move off the clock. But let's make sure that you and I stay in touch on this. I love the organization. I love your background of uh, being a Hoosier, and that makes it even better. But thanks for being a part of Indiana Outdoors. You bet. Have a good one. You too. Great to visit with the Sportsman's Alliance. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. Don't go anywhere. We're going to be back right after this. Well, I started the show by telling you we had a great one, and here I got so engrossed, I didn't leave myself much time, and that makes producers very angry, so we don't want angry producers. Many thanks to the Sportsman's Alliance and Todd Atkins, as you heard, wins coming on their behalf of, uh, on behalf of all conservationists, who, uh, hunters, etc., uh, fellow Hoosiers. Speaking of Hoosiers, Hoosiers Feeding the Hungry, Susan Jordan, great to have her be a part of this, and we are looking for great expansion and opportunities of a great organization. Organization. If you have extra meat and you want to drop it off and it goes to a local food bank, you don't have to pay for it. Hoosiers Feeding the Hungry. Just go to their website. Always great to kick off our show with an outdoor writer and Josh Lance, St. Croix Rods. Great to visit with him. Folks, remember, turn in a poacher, 1-800-TIP-IDNR. Very important this time of the year and always. And as you might expect, be safe. I'll see you outside, everybody. Mm-hmm.